I'm Maida Getman, and welcome to Infertility Crossroads. I'm a mom to donor-conceived twins, and I went through eight rounds of fertility treatment before finally becoming pregnant with my two girls. I'm also a donor conception coach and founder of The Donor Downlow, a self-paced online program for people who are at the crossroads of donor conception and wondering which path is right for them. Perhaps you're like me, you thought having a baby would be easy, yet here you are every day, week, and month having to make big, scary, and radical decisions about what your future might look like. I call it the infertility crossroads. Whether you're just getting started on your fertility journey, have been trying for years, or are headed down an alternative path, you are welcome here. Join me each week where I will walk alongside you through all the infertility crossroads. Let's dive in. Welcome to Infertility Crossroads. I'm Maida Getman, and I'm so glad you've joined me today. Egg quality. It is a fascinating topic and one that I'm super excited to talk about today with my guest, Claire Innes. Claire helps burned out action takers conceive and carry healthy babies using things that they can control like food, hormones, and lifestyle. I love her because she has a no bullshit, just science approach and what a gift she is. I'm so excited. Claire, welcome to the show. I've never felt so loved and so built up before. I love you too, Amanda. You're the best. <laughs> what a way to start a podcast. Oh, I know. This little love fest. Um, okay. Before we drive, dive into the topic of egg quality, which I'm super excited to talk to you about, can you t- just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'd love to. Um, so I live in Scotland with my husband and two children. My background is in finance, so nothing to do with health or fertility. And for the last eight years or so, I've been working exclusively with women. So initially, women recovering from breast cancer, and then women dealing with menopause. And my absolute passion is helping women have babies. Mm -hmm. As you said, I'm all about the science, eliminating the bullshit and um, yeah, just taking action. So love what I do. Do not love the Scottish weather. Not enough. I think that's enough. <laughs> yes, I love that you're from Scotland. I think we've talked about this multiple times, but I love Scotland. It's so beautiful there. And I also just love listening to you talk. <laughs> Your beautiful <laughs> oh, accent. I love it. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, well, I am super excited to talk to you about egg quality. Because I feel like this is a topic that I personally don't know a lot about, which is funny because I probably should know more about it than I do. But also, as we were prepping for this conversation, I love that all the things you have and that you talk to your clients about and that you're going to share with us today are things that people can actually walk away with and actually start doing. Like, they're not complex. They, they are things that literally you can walk away from this episode and be like, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. So yeah, I'm psyched. Yeah. So me too. my first question for you about egg quality is the thing that I always hear, and I know you hear this too, is on your, the day before your 35th birthday, 
Your eggs are beautiful and they're perfect and they're going to create a million babies. And then. And they have a halo. Say that again. They have a halo and they glow and there's sparkles. Yes. yes, And they're like, yeah, perfect. And then the next day when you wake up, your eggs are shit because you're now 35 and you're screwed. So yeah. <laughs> tell me about this a little bit. Let's yeah. talk about this a little bit. And then my second question is like, is there anything we can do about that? Yeah. Okay. So first thing I would say is Maida and I are of course being sarcastic and I <laughs> always love meeting an American who's into sarcasm. So yeah, your eggs do not go to shit when you turn 35. But there is a kind of there's a bit of a bit of truth in what we were saying. So we are born with all of the eggs that we're ever going to have. And we are probably at our most fertile in our late teens and early twenties. So if we think about it generationally, certainly where I'm from, my parents and everyone in her generation, they tended to get married, have babies early twenties, tickety boo off you go that's fine but our generation we're not really doing it that way are we we are very often choosing to have a career choosing to travel choosing to have the fun choosing to have the babies a little bit later which is 100 percent our prerogative and not only is it okay it's it's fabulous you know there's a choice but what happens is every month we lose eggs and nothing at all nothing at all is going to change that so we can't get too hung up on the fact that as we age we are losing eggs the amount of eggs that we have goes down and we can't change that what we can change is the quality of our eggs so as the quantity depletes typically the quality also depletes But what science is telling us now is that from lifestyle changes and actually looking after our body, looking after our nutrition, avoiding certain harmful chemicals, we can flip that shit around. Tends to take about three months Mm -hmm. and three to four months is what it would take to improve the quality of an egg. And where this becomes relevant in a fertility context is that egg quality has so much to do with A, the egg's ability to implant, and B, the amount, the risk of chromosomal abnormalities. So chromosomal abnormalities are the main reason. They're the reason for most miscarriages. So if we can work on the quality of our eggs, then we are increasing our chances of conception, minimising the risk of miscarriage. And in my mind, I think that's absolutely groundbreaking. And mm-hmm. most of the things that we would do do not require a prescription. They don't need us to see. And so if you're in the States, an expensive doctor, if you're over here in the UK, a doctor that you would need to wait six months to see, you know, so we've all, there's complications of varying degrees no matter where you live in the world, but rarely is it very straightforward to just sit in front of someone and, you know, sit in front of a doctor or an OBGYN and get the answers you want. When it comes to egg quality, the vast majority of it is down to lifestyle choices that we can make now, today, mm-hmm. tomorrow, the next day. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes, that totally answered my question. And I I think you're right. Like, we are being a little sarcastic, but I think there is some truth to what we were saying about that magic age 35. Oh. But I I find a lot of hope in the fact that there are things we can do, even if we're a little bit older, 
even if we have less eggs because we are a little bit older, but there Mm -hmm. are things that we can do to try to improve the quality of our eggs and to improve the outcomes of the, the fertility process. So that is really what I want to cover with you today are what are those things that we can do to try to improve our egg quality? So what would be your first thing that you would share? First thing I would share, all of these things are about, you know, looking at your lifestyle. Most of us, if we're really, really honest with ourselves, the lifestyle that we have right now is a result of choices that we've made in the past. So maybe we've worked really hard. So we've got quite a lot of money. So we've got quite a stressful job. So everybody's going to be different, but our situation is likely to be a combination of events and we find ourselves here and now. So when I'm talking about these things, I'm making a lot of assumptions, but it's assumptions based on the hundreds of women that I've worked with and the conversations that I have every day. So number one, if you're looking to improve your fertility, have a look at your drinks, have a look at your fluid intake, okay? And we break down this into various things. Number one, I talk to women who are working 60, 70 hour weeks and they tell me that what they have in the morning is a coffee, then another coffee, and then they move on to tea, okay? So it is not unusual for someone who is burned out, who is absolutely exhausted, to exist off of caffeinated drinks. And there's two problems with that. One is that caffeine is a stimulant and it can basically affect our rest, it can affect our ability to sleep. But if we have it on empty, so without having breakfast, it also links in with our stress levels and our cortisol levels. So first part of drinks is look at the amount of caffeine you're having, very honestly. Like if you make your own coffee at home and you shovel those grounds in, and then you kid yourself on your, oh, I only have, you know, one cup a day, but I'm having the equivalent of, you know, four espressos because I make it so strong. <laughs> I tell my clients no more than two caffeinated drinks per day. And that's to include coffees, teas, colas. Over here, we've got a really caffeinated drink called Iron Brew. So that would that would count as well. Did you try Iron Brew when you were here? No, I didn't. But it's on my list when I come back. Okay. Okay. So that's number one. Look at your caffeine intake and be be really real about it. Number two, don't kid yourself on that you're having more water than you are. The the number that gets banded about is two litres. All right. I expect my clients to have minimum three litres a day, but that doesn't include your coffee. And, you know, it doesn't include absolutely everything you're having to drink. Our bodies, to create a baby and to create, you know, lovely healthy eggs, they want to be in this beautiful homeostasis so that's where everything is balanced and number one for that is hydration our bodies need to function properly they need hydration to do that and then the last one um of course is alcohol alcohol is not good for your eggs and it's certainly not good for your body and again you know if you are in a high stress job you've got a high stress life and you can't imagine cutting out alcohol altogether fine what can you do can you bring it down to one night a week can you switch every second drink to water so really really looking at your drinks is the first and it's a really really quick win that everyone can do right now and we don't need to go straight from zero to a hundred we can go we can have one less coffee a day and one more glass of water and just build on that 
Mm-hmm. And that's how we make these things stick, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the idea of slow change versus like going all in and being like, I'm going to never drink caffeine again. And I'm going to never drink alcohol again. And I'm just going to drink water will last like maybe three days and then you're over it. So I love, yeah. I love the idea of slow changes or like slow replacements. And I also love how you call us out in a very kind and generous way, because as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm like, oh, well, I drink a Diet Coke a couple times a week. Like, that's liquid. I could count that towards my 80 ounces or however much I need to drink. And it's like, no, no, no. No, no. And then I tell you what you can count that towards is your caffeine. (laughs) Yes, towards my caffeine. And (laughs) and I do think it's the point that you make about being honest with ourselves. Right. So like with no judgment, right? I know you don't sit there and judge your clients or, or me, but to say like, hey, if you actually sit down and look at it, you're actually having five caffeinated beverages a day not two like you think. So just call it as it is and then make the change. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are this is all humans, not just ladies who are trying to conceive. We are brilliant at convincing ourselves of the story. Yeah. We tell ourselves stories and because they happen in our brain, there's no one there to say that's not true. <laughs> there's no one there to say no green tea doesn't count as water green tea is highly caffeinated we can justify things to ourselves very very easily and we are good at it aren't we yes we're very good at it i mean i am okay so drinks number one being hydrated and drinks what would be number two okay so number two is about how we target ourselves And you touched on it actually about doing things slowly. So consistency, when we are trying to make changes to our lifestyle, it's always, always better to practice and celebrate consistency than to go Mm gung-ho. So the example that you gave is exactly what happens. And it happens in all areas of life. You know, if you think about a weight loss journey, the diet starts Monday I'm throwing away all the candy bars. I'm going to exist on lettuce and celery and I am going to float around in a beautiful white dress and everything is just going to be this and it's going to be great. And of course that doesn't work because like that's nice in a reel on Facebook that lasts five seconds. It's nobody's reality. That's nobody's actual reality. Even when we see models, they have been airbrushed. They have prepped probably for weeks to get into that shape. So being mean to ourselves and expecting so much of ourselves, in my opinion, is setting ourselves up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. In a fertility context, some of the things that I see are, so the versions of, of that story I just told you are, okay, I'm going to buy the most expensive supplements and I'm going to take them every day. Some days I'm going to just double up. Because what harm is it going to do? And, you know, the health food store says that I should be taking hemp. So I'm going to sprinkle that on all of my meals. And then everything's going to taste disgusting. And then I'm just going to go and all of these things. It's going to be brilliant. 
The kitchen is just going to be immaculate. Everything is going to be perfect and everything is going to work out beautifully. That lasts about five days because that version of the story is existing on willpower. Willpower is excellent. And I know we talk about like running up that hill, like think about the Kate Bush song, running up that hill. The willpower gets us the start. The willpower gets us in first gear. And it is very, very useful, but it's finite. Nobody's willpower is unlimited. So we need to practice and we need to celebrate consistency. Mm. That the ability to do something maybe less gung-ho, less sexy, less exciting, less expensive for a longer time is what's going to get us those results. A week of acting like Gwyneth Paltrow isn't going to give us, you know, (laughs) the vagina candle, all of that stuff. Nobody but her can do that long term. But being a normal person, going to Costco for your supplements, building them into your normal existing routine, habit stacking it with those two coffees that you're allowed, makes that something you can do for the three or four months it takes to improve your egg quality. Mm-hmm. And it might sound a bit boring when we're talking about it now, but this is where we need to work on our mindset, making consistency sexy, making consistency something to celebrate. Yes, I'm amazing. I've told, taken those horse pills every day for 28 days. Aren't I great? Yeah. So yeah, consistency. The book by James Clear, Atomic Habits, goes into it in a lot of detail as well. Small changes over time make a massive difference. Yes. I mean, you're right. Consistency is boring. Consistency is not fun. Consistency is hard, right? It can be really hard, especially when that willpower starts to fade. But consistency is where you see the progress and being able to like measure that over time because we're so easy. It's so easy for our brains to forget, right? And to not celebrate those things. So to be able to say like, okay, I did this for a week. Yay. Okay. I did this for two weeks. Oh my gosh. Like I'm amazing. Like yeah, those cel- being able to celebrate. I love how you say celebrate the consistency as big wins yeah. is amazing. So, okay. It should, it should be treated that way. That's one of the big things with all of my clients. They get one new habit to do a week and I expect them to nail it and work really hard on it and we celebrate and I check that they've done it and then we move on to the next thing yes and I'm talking about like minute details we have a week where they work on drinking enough water and hitting enough steps we have a week where we look only at protein one thing at a time but do it right before we move on to something else and I think that's really important yes totally agree with you okay Number three thing that we can do to help improve our egg quality. Number three thing that we can do is eat your breakfast. Eat breakfast. So if I can talk a little bit about the habits of people who skip breakfast, as you'll know, I work with a lot of ladies who have PCOS. I work with a lot of ladies who are trying to reduce their BMI ahead of starting treatment. And it is so common for someone to say to them, you should start skipping breakfast. You should do intermittent fasting and does the, the air quotes. And and the, the theory is sound when you want to drop body fat. You eliminate one meal and that therefore creates a calorie deficit. Okay, that makes sense. Fine. But when you're looking to improve your egg quality, calorie deficit isn't necessarily what you need. 
Yes, if you need to reduce your levels of body fat, you need a calorie deficit, but you also need to be eating a fertility diet. And if we skip breakfast, we are missing a good opportunity to get good sources of protein, good sources of fiber, goodness. We're missing an opportunity to get the veggies, get the berries, get the healthy fats. And the habits of breakfast breakfast skippers tends to be they get to lunchtime, they're really, really hungry, they have a big lunch, then they're fine. Then in between lunch and dinner, they snack. And after dinner, they snack. And in their minds, the snacking is fine because they've already banked those calories by not having breakfast. But what do they snack on? Like, realistically, what do you think people who are intermittent fasting are snacking on in between lunch and dinner and after dinner? I mean, it's not celery and carrots and like apples and peanut butter. Not eggs. It's not avocados. It's going to be the candy bars. It's going to be the crisps. And don't get me wrong, the candy bars and crisps are very important in life. Okay. But all of these things need to be moderated. So when we take out breakfast, what happens on a macro level, so our macronutrients, is that we are removing protein, we are removing healthy fats, and we are adding in more carbs, particularly the fast carbs that we don't like, and typically more trans fats. So the fats that are less good, well, they're very, very bad for fertility and for our adoption system. So, yeah. The problem with it also is that people tend to use coffee or caffeine to get them past that kind of hunger situation. And then we're straight back to the beginning where we're spiking our cortisol by having caffeine on an empty stomach. So eat your breakfast, eat the meal, enjoy it. Just get it done. Just eat the breakfast. You know, breakfast has always, for a long time in my life, was a hard meal for me. I didn't love it. I didn't love eating it. I didn't want to wake up early enough to make breakfast so I would either not eat breakfast and to your point like have a latte and be like well I got milk I got coffee I'm good or I would grab like a granola bar or something like that and think that that was going to be good and more so from a health perspective not so much from an egg quality perspective but I slowly started figuring out ways to incorporate breakfast into my day. And I am a different human when I eat breakfast, like, (laughs) and not just, not just a granola bar, right? Like eating a breakfast that has a lot of protein, some fats in it, some carbs in it, like a balanced meal. Yeah. So that like, I am actually full from breakfast to lunchtime. But I feel like my brain functions better. Like I, yeah, I'm not as does. like I'm not as like crabby or irritable or these things that I thought were maybe just normal, which they're not. They're not normal. So my question food, though, food is our actual fuel. That yes. is the fuel for humans. It's yes. food. Yes, it's calories. Right. Oh, what shocking! No, just kidding. Um, so, but, <laughs> But here's my question for you. What would you say are some good options, especially for the breakfast skippers? So like if someone's listening and they're like, oh man, I skip breakfast. Maybe I want to start trying to have breakfast, but I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to do all of these things. Like what could be a good option for them? Okay. 
So the first thing I'll say is nobody ever says I skip breakfast. Everyone says I do intermittent fasting. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's dating me. That's dating me, right? Because like intermittent (laughs) fasting wasn't a thing. Yeah, no, no, it's not dating at all. Because I, I would say you skip breakfast, but I think, I think people think it sounds fancier. It sounds more acceptable to say I practice intermittent fasting than to say I skip breakfast. Fair. But to answer your question, and sorry it sounds so bitchy there, but literally, there's one of my real, real oh, bugbears. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I have a free recipe pack available on my website that is is available to anyone. Um, but it's all about quick, fast. Some of them are make-ahead breakfasts that are nutritionally balanced and that you can adapt whether you want to be in a calorie deficit or a calorie surplus. When, in reality, when I'm talking to my clients, people who feel gaggy at the thought of a breakfast, what I often recommend for them is something like a smoothie. Mm. And if they don't have time, I tell them to go and get like little freezer bags or little freezer dishes and literally make dump bags for a smoothie. So put your berries in there, put your slice of avocado in there, make it easy to succeed, make it hard to fail. So that literally when you wake up and there's part of you that's thinking, well, I just go to Starbucks because I, I don't have time to make breakfast. You know, all you need to do is put your hand in the freezer, take something out, add a scoop of protein powder, whiz it and go. Mm-hmm. So that. smoothies are definitely a good place to start. If you're the opposite and you need something dry, Protein pancakes are always a good shout as well. And you can make a batch of them and just pop them in the toaster as well. There's literally always a solution. Yeah. We just need to be prepared to make those wee changes that our comfort zone are going to say, no, 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 no. But we need to say, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. Eat breakfast. So drink water, practice consistency, eat breakfast. Number four. What's number four? Number four is nail and own your own environment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for most of us, our environment is our house, our kitchen. For some of us, it might be where we work. But this is to, it's it's a, a very purposeful action to make over our environment and own it so that we are making it easy to succeed. We're making it hard to fail. So by that, I mean, Perfect example is Christmas time over here. You always have these big circular tubs of sweets and candy and all the aunties and uncles buy them for the kids as an extra on their Christmas. And you find that there's like, you know, there's tubs sky high at Christmas time just of candy everywhere you look. Easter's the same. Mm -hmm. Don't have things like that out. I'm not saying don't have them in your life, but put them somewhere that you need to make a very conscious choice to see them and go get them. So high up in a cupboard. Same with things like crisps or chips, if you would call them. Do not, if you have consciously decided to have a glass of wine, don't put the bottle back in the fridge and leave it there because the next day you're going to see it. So it's about controlling what we see, what our subconscious mind sees as well. The fridge, you know, the the eye level drawer of the fridge, that should have meals that you've already prepped, pre-chopped vegetables, pre-chopped fruit. Are we, have we been into our cupboards and get rid of, you know, the nasty things that are there, things that are full of like BPA or harmful chemicals? Are we still cooking our food off of a frying pan or a pan that's got bits of black nonstick coming off? If it's there and you need to make your dinner, of course you're going to use it. So 
when you are able to, when you're able to be conscious about it, sort out your environment so that it's easy to make the good choices and that it's just a little bit harder to make the bad choices. It doesn't need to be impossible, but it needs to be purposeful. Water bottles. Have water bottles everywhere. A water bottle in each room. Mm. Have nice cold water in the fridge. Just make it consciously easy on yourself so that you don't listen to to your your excuses when they start. Oh, well, I just have a coffee. Oh, or, do you know what? The amount of clients I talk to as well that don't even realise that they are consuming calories or harming themselves. So they'll be cooking for themselves and at the same time literally eating candy. But they don't know they're doing it because in their mind at the time they're cooking. Yeah. And when, once they have one, they've got that taste. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us to really nail our environment. If we're trying to get more steps in in a day, leave your running shoes out. Leave your headphones out. If you if you want to go for a run tomorrow, set up everything so that when you get out of bed, you do not listen to your own excuses not to. Environment is everything. A great environment, bad environment can make or break our success. Oh, I love that because, so I was just thinking as you were talking, I just did this yesterday. So. Well, no, I did not set myself up for success. So today I have set myself up for success. So yesterday I was like, I'm going to go for a walk. I want to go for a walk today. I didn't bring socks downstairs to wear with my walking shoes. All day, I was like, you want to go for a walk. You should go for a walk. You need to go upstairs and get your socks. I did not go upstairs and get my socks. I did not go for a walk. (laughs) That is such a small thing, right? It's such a small thing, but it's like, I kept going, well, I don't have socks down here. So, and you guys, my house is not that big. My house is not that big. It's maybe 17 steps up the stairs to my room like it's not far so this morning do you know what the common ones are sorry on you go I keep trying to interrupt you no um. but what I was gonna say is this morning when I was coming downstairs I was like Maida grab your socks and bring them downstairs so that when you want to go for a walk you have no excuse so now my socks are sitting yeah. in the kitchen and I'm going to go for a walk anyway I think like what time oh you're gonna hold me accountable yeah, yeah. This afternoon. I want, I want you to send me a selfie from your walk. We're record. I will. We are recording okay. this podcast at 10 in the morning, my time. It'll probably be around two this afternoon is when I have time. But I, I think it's just, it's a perfect example of something so small that like, had we not had this conversation, I never would have made that connection of like, yeah, oh, I did not set myself up just to bring socks down. So I think like those things are all around. So I love the idea of making your environment, being conscious of your environment, making your environment a place that sets you up to succeed, not to fail. Right? Yeah. Because it's your environment. Right. Nobody else can do it for you. It's yours. Yes. And I've got a couple of top tips in that respect that are your sock situation reminded me of them. If it's about getting out for a walk or getting out for a run or going to the gym, when you're getting things organized, remember your headphones. People always forget their headphones and they can't find their headphones and they don't want to wake up the other people in the house. So that becomes the excuse not to go. 
and a hair tie. Uh-huh. Leave a hair tie out. Yep. And then the other one is until you get consistent with taking your supplements, leave them next to your kettle and mm-hmm. habit stack them. If you want the coffee, you need to have the supplements first because you're never going to forget the coffee, but you might forget the supplements. Yes. So just have them there. Do yes. yourself a favor. Yeah, and it's totally okay to have supplements in your kitchen. I have supplements in my kitchen. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I mean, it'll probably only take like a week to 10 days for it to become part of your day and then you can put them away because you'll, sub- you'll subconsciously start reaching for them. But until that happens, make it easy on yourself. Let's quote Tom Jones. Is it Tom Jones? i love it okay number five number five really look at your protein Mm. we talk about protein all the time in life and people convince themselves that they're having enough protein and typically a day's eating for a lady who first starts working for me with me sorry would look like this it would be toast or porridge what you would call oatmeal for breakfast if she has breakfast and then lunch would be a shop-bought sandwich. So she would go and get, we have a lot of meal deals over here. So you would get like a sandwich with a snack and a drink. The snack would sometimes be like a candy bar. Sometimes it would be a packet of crisps. Sometimes it would be fruit, but it would be two slices of bread with say chicken or ham or cheese or something in the middle. The drink would usually be a Diet Coke or a fruit juice. And then they would go home, they would have dinner, and dinner would typically be quite a balanced meal if they were cooking at home. So if we take dinner, let's say they have some fish with some vegetables and potatoes. Perfect. Okay, let's look at the other meals. Breakfast is almost all carbs. So yes, oats and bread do have protein in them, but they do not have enough protein. So that breakfast is probably about 70% carbohydrates. And then lunch... The bread is almost pure carbohydrates. So even if you have a protein source in that sandwich, like chicken breast, which is an excellent source of protein, it's not enough mm-hmm. to balance out the other things in that meal. So typically when women come and start working with me, they're existing on a total daily carb intake of 50 to 60%. And it is not good for their blood sugar. It is not good for their insulin levels. That is not good for balanced hormones. So this is nothing to do with weight. This is to do with our endocrine system, our hormones, our eggs, getting our eggs balanced. We need, literally protein is what creates every cell in our body. We need protein. We need that mitochondria to create lovely, strong, healthy eggs. So bigger portions of chicken, bigger portions of ham. If you're an egg fan, have eggs with extra egg whites. Mm. You can still have the yolks, but just add in the egg whites. Typically Western women, they overconsume on carbs and underconsume on protein. Fats could go either way, to be fair. I I wouldn't say there is a typical, because that's more of a kind of cultural thing. But yeah, more protein. I hate being the person that says less carbs. The easier way to think about it is more protein. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, I think I think we've talked about this before, but I had worked with a nutrition coach. And when we were looking at my my own food intake, I was way below on protein, like super far below. The other part for me is I actually wasn't eating enough carbs. 
because I came from the mentality of carbs are bad. So I would eat like a low carb diet, which essentially meant like I wasn't eating a lot of carbs. And so I think like it is about that balance, what you've talked about before the balance, but also just working with someone like you or just being conscious of it because like I was like, oh, I'm way overeating on my carbs. Like I'm great on my protein. You know, I'm fine because I eat a lot of protein and actually like I still wasn't getting enough protein and I was Mm -hmm. under eating on the carbs. As soon as I started adding more like conscious carbs, good carbs, not like chips and French fries and white bread and, you know, that kind of stuff, but like some rice to my meals or some potatoes or, you know, some extra fruit or something like that. Like I couldn't believe how much better I felt. Like I bet the volume of food you were taking in went up massively as well. Yes. By doing that. hundred percent. You would have felt less hungry, more energized. Yes. And improving your health at the same time. And I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, but a realization I had was I do a lot better when someone tells me to add, not to restrict. So if you tell me, like, Maida, you can't have chicken, I'll be like, oh my gosh, all I want is chicken. Yeah. But if someone danger, tells me, danger. I know, right? <laughs> but like, I think that's a big piece of it too, is when you're focusing on these things and you're looking at it a lot of times, like we haven't been taught how to eat right. We haven't been taught nope. that balance. And so to have an opportunity to look at what you're eating, to work with someone like you or a nutrition coach or someone who's literally saying like, you need to add food was like the most, it was the best thing ever. Do you know what I mean? It's really liberating, isn't it? It's so liberating. And the food tastes delicious. When you Mm -hmm. start eating that kind of food, your body starts to crave that kind of food. You know, like now I'm like, okay, what's our carb for tonight? Like, are we doing rice? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Like I've learned different ways to cook rice because like for me, rice was just gross, but then I learned new ways to cook it, you know, like all those things. So I love what you're talking about, especially around the protein. Even if you think you're getting enough protein, you're probably not. Right. You're probably not. No. But the only way to know is to actually track it and see. Actually track it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another massive mindset sh- mindset shift that happens is when you're getting enough of the good stuff and when you really know what your body needs, there's no guilt at all around having that candy bar, that slice of pizza. Because you're like, I know that this fits my macros. I know that I've made up for this elsewhere in my day. It makes that pizza taste so much better. Mm-hmm. you just enjoy it so much more because you just know you don't feel bad I mean guilt around food come on yeah we literally need food to survive we should not associate it with guilt yes and unfortunately a lot of women who are trying to conceive do yep yep I love that okay so we talked about five things that people can do literally now to start working on their egg quality right so can you summarize those five things again for us 100 percent Look at what you're drinking in terms of caffeine. 
are you getting enough water when you take your caffeinated drinks out and improve your alcohol consumption if you drink it would be great if you could stop if you know you can't stop be real about what you can do and do it number two celebrate consistency know what you're absolutely capable of set an intention every day do it feel happy with yourself number three just eat breakfast don't intermittent fast unless a doctor or a dietitian has told you to we need to eat we need to be energized eat your breakfast give your environment a makeover whether that's your kitchen your living room your desk or all of them or your food storage tubs number five really look at your protein intake lentils are a carb source that has protein lentils alone are not enough for protein the ham in a sandwich is not enough protein we need more we need more we need more yes and the overall takeaway is you're not in control of everything and you can't be in control of everything but that doesn't mean that you can't control the things that you can control you can't get a prescription for letrozole you can go out and go for a walk try not to get stuck and can't move on with can oh, i love that so before we close the one last thing I want to just make sure we address is for a long time, this idea of improving egg quality was hard for me because I'm a mom to kids who are conceived via donor eggs. We weren't able to use my own eggs. And for a long time, I felt like that was my fault because like maybe I didn't do enough or I didn't work hard enough or I didn't drink enough oh. water or I didn't do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And there are women listening to this who are in the same boat as me, right? Like, and maybe they've done all the things and they still, their eggs still aren't working. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, despite all the lifestyle changes and the things that they've implemented. So how would you encourage and support women who have done all of this? And are still facing this reality of possibly needing to use an egg donor or are using an egg donor because their eggs didn't work. Yeah. So I always kind of say to my clients that there, there really should be an end date. If you're getting to the point where it's really, really getting you down and, you know, a medical qualified, a medically qualified person has told you that this isn't going to happen with your own eggs, then again, that's science. That's not an example of you being a failure. It's not an example of you doing anything wrong. And it's certainly not an example of something you should feel guilty about. That literally breaks my heart to think, and I know that some people are in that scenario, what they really need to do is work hard on themselves and their mindset and getting around the fact that they might need to try alternative routes. And there's people out there like yourself lots of brilliant therapists that can help you get your head round that that's what needs to happen or not as well you know that there might it might be that you make the decision that you're you're just going to end your journey but trying to conceive and dealing with infertility is an absolutely exhausting minefield of emotions and one thing that everyone listening to this has in common is that they just don't have time for guilt or regret mm-hmm. you don't have time for it you don't have energy for it so just send it elsewhere. Send it, spend that energy on yourself. Work with someone that can help you move forward. Don't get stuck. Yeah, that's lovely. Okay, mm-hmm. so 
Two things I always do with my guests before we end. If you had one piece of advice or one thing that you wanted people to walk away from in this episode, what's your one thing? <laughs> progress, not perfection. Practice progress, not perfection. Yes. Every day and everything you do. From brushing your teeth in the morning to going to sleep at night, just try and be a little bit better every day. Don't try to be perfect because you will fail and you will feel guilty and you will be knackered. So mm-hmm. Just try and be a little bit better and be happy when you do it. That's awesome. Now, if people loved this episode as much as I have, how can they come find you? How can they connect with you? I'm everywhere. Please do come find me. So my Insta handle is therealfertilitymentor. And I would love anyone who is actually trying to conceive to join my free community on Facebook. The group is called TTC 35 and over. And my website is thefertilitymentor.org.uk. Just get in touch. Book a call or don't, but just, yeah, reach out. Let me know you're there. Let me know if I can help you. That's awesome. I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. So all you have to do is go to the show notes and click the link and you will be sent right to Claire. Claire, thank you so much. This was very informative. Also really empowering. I feel very empowered and you you will be receiving my walk selfie this afternoon and I'll even put it on Instagram so that people can see that I actually did it. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Love it. So see that I do because I will chase you. (laughs) I know you will. That's why I'm totally doing it. And that's why you're amazing at what you do because you hold people accountable. I do. So thank you so much for me then. Thank you so much for having me. I always love chatting to you. Have an amazing walk. Make sure it happens. Bye-bye, darling. Thank you. And thank you guys for joining me on Infertility Crossroads. I will see you on our next episode. Are you looking for some more support and to stay connected with me on a regular basis? Make sure you have a copy of my free PDF called My Doctor Just Said Donor, Now What? This free PDF is for you if you just had the conversation with your doctor, you're thinking it might be coming, or you're looking for what to do now that you've had this conversation. It's an amazing resource to help you take the next right steps forward. Go to metagetman slash podcast to get your free copy. That's www.metagetman.com slash podcast to grab your copy. I am on a mission to spread my message to as many people as I can, and your feedback helps. Please take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts so I know how I'm doing and can keep bringing you exactly what you're looking for. It would mean the world to me. And make sure you're subscribed to the show. That way, the latest and greatest episodes will be delivered to you as soon as they publish. Lastly, I am not a doctor, a psychologist, or a professional in the area of fertility. I'm a person who's gone through infertility, and I want to share my learnings with you and the learnings that I've gained by working with my clients. In addition, the guests that I bring on this show are sharing their own views, opinions, thoughts, and ideas. Some are medical professionals, others are not, and they're just like me. 
please don't substitute any of the information shared here as medical advice. That's what the pros are for. If you want to learn more about my terms and conditions, go to my website, madeagetman.com.